All right, everybody, welcome to our third podcast by Five Pin Universe. Uh, we have guests Adam Weber, the 2018 Player of the Year, Tim Wiseman, 2016 Autumn Open, and Dexter Wiseman, 2017 or 2018 Autumn Open. Sorry, Dex. Uh, I was the 2017 champion, but we don't need to talk about that. Uh, so our first topic today will be uh, actually a request from one of the people that follow us on Twitter, Alexandra House. Her question is, can you please discuss how to deal with stress during a big tournament? And uh, that's pretty much the gist of her question. She was just asking where she could watch or listen to our podcast, and I already told her that. So um, I guess we'll start with uh, we'll start with Tim, since he's been the longest since he's won a tournament. How do you deal with the stress of a big tournament, Tim? Uh, you know, honestly, routine. I think routine is pretty big. Um, we we play enough and we got enough experience down the road. You kind of have your own routine. Uh, you know what how what you need to be focused on. You know how to prepare yourself, or w- if you're not prepared, at least you know mentally what to uh, what what you're going into, right? So, um, this past weekend was a little tough. I mean, I, I thought I played pretty good on the most part on on the big tournament. Um, had a couple down games there, but it is what it is with such a great field. But um, Invitational works a little bit differently. I know that's a big tournament. We all we all kind of like we all four of us played, and you kind of I don't know. You kind of have those like adrenaline running when you get the walkout song and you're walking down the the uh, down the lane there. But with those, it just I I think a lot of it is just you've been there a lot. If you haven't, you know, if you've been there a decent amount of experience, but I po- always positive reinforcement. It seems like you know, like for me, like I, you know, you you get that feel. You don't want to think negative. You you try to like work it out. You try to think of the positive outcomes and 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 just be mentally prepared that way. That's how I am. Um, we've done enough. Like I said, we've done enough. As for us four, we've done enough experience where we kind of know what to expect. Right, and then we 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 failed at certain things, and we kind of learned from those certain things, and and we we prepare ourselves to help figure it out next time we get down there, right? So, um, I to be honest, with you, when I lost to Mitch, I thought I played pretty good, but uh, I learned from the last time I was in the in the in the final four because I, I got absolutely smoked by Mark Johnstone, like I I shouldn't even played the second game, right, and. This time I learned to myself is like okay well what did I what did I figure out and what I didn't do well and and honestly I just I just what I sped up and I was too fast and I and I said okay well I have to take my own time my own space you know and Mitch can wait whenever he whenever I'm done Mitch just has to learn how to bowl right I mean it's my time it's not have to run to his his pace right so um, I don't know it just sort of a lot of it is honestly I guess the answer to the question is experience. Right over the time, you you kind of know you've been in enough situations, or you put yourself in that spot, you kind of understand yourself, right? Right. Um, I guess what would you what would your suggestion be to somebody that um, hasn't been in those situations too much? Right. We all say experience is obviously going to get you there. That's mm-hmm. that. There's no doubt behind that. But if yeah. say it's your first time ever making like an <clears throat> open provincials, how yeah. do you deal with the stress in that situation? Right. Um, yeah, go ahead. Next. Pre-shot routine. I mean, I mean, this is this is something you we have to drive into our kids, and it's something that was driven into us too. And 
but pre-shot routine is really the driver of all of that. Do the same thing on every shot, every time. And that starts from walking up to the approach, right? Grab your ball, walk back to the end, do your thinking, get up onto the lanes, take a deep breath, do your thinking there, and away you go. But do the same thing every single shot all the time. I don't care whether it's shooting for your corners. I don't care whether it's shooting for wood after, you know, you, you've thrown two, two bad balls. It doesn't matter. Figure it out. Do the same thing every single time. And so that when, when you get into those pressure situations, you just sit there and you continue to do the same things that have made you successful throughout time. Um, right? I mean, I mean, you look at I know we, we harp on Adam for being so slow, but at Adam's prime example, he has his pre-shot routine. It takes a while. It is, you know, and uh, obviously it shows on, on by his game, uh, how well he's doing. Right. And for me personally, also, I would say is don't panic. A lot of the easiest times when you start struggling, people start panicking. Right. And it's like, what am I doing wrong? Well, I'm, I'm failing. No, well, there, there's plenty of time in an eight-game block, or, or you know, or uh, qualifying for the open and stuff like that. As soon as you throw panic, all of a sudden the rest of your competitors, you know, kind of, they're all for blood, right? They, they all, um, that one I don't have to worry about, right? And for me personally, it just, it. We used to be when we grew up, it was emotions were so high. You you watch somebody like Bradley Tickat, he's he's yelling and he's in, involved all the time, right? But over eight games as you get older you understand you have to conserve that energy right and you have to conserve being it just emotional right so you kind of know how to conserve yourself i guess more and understand how to move forward with it yeah, yeah I, I definitely have to agree the uh, uh the the adrenaline side is what you really have to to slow down and uh the, the routine definitely just takes the mind almost out of uh, that equation and uh you know, breathing, uh, just take that extra deep breath. If you're self-aware and you can actually feel that you're getting overamped, uh, you have to rope that back in as quickly as you can or it will get away from you. Uh, and if it, you know, gets away five, six frames, there, there goes a match, right? Um, so I'd say, yeah, that, that self-awareness is the big key. Take that extra breath, use your routine, um, and, uh, yeah, just real positive self-talk. Um, to take away that negativity out there and, and you will succeed. Yeah, like um, I guess mine is mostly is pre-shot routine, right? Do the same thing every time. And when you get up there, visualize what you want to do, right? It takes a little bit of stress away because you've done it so many times and stuff like that. Especially with um, my game as of late, I, I'm a big adrenaline player. So I like getting up there and feeling the adrenaline, but it's a double-edged sword too, right? You get a little bit quick because the adrenaline's pumping through you. It's, it could go in the wrong direction pretty fast. So it's definitely something you got to learn how to balance more than I think you actually have to um, learn how to play in. If you can balance it, you're going to be good at it. It's just about pre-shot routine, getting up there, doing the same thing over and over. And it's easy to fix once you you feel out of rhythm, you just go back to what you were doing before, right? Um, I guess that's my, my main thought on it too, right? Is I really believe in pre-shot routine. I, it, it's proven just about every sport. So um, something to take notice. Always look at other sports too, right? Mm -hmm. Especially golf. Golf is huge. Golf yeah. is one of the, the main ones comparable, right? Guys take a lot of time. Ladies take a lot of time setting up. And then they do the same thing every time. If it's a half swing, 
and then they go or if it's two swings right like they do the same thing all the time so and play everything yeah. play everything you can honestly it all helps the experience grows quick yeah. yep. all right i think we answered that question pretty straightforward um next anybody got a good topic to come up with well, how about the uh, the TPC this last weekend and uh, the success of uh, 239 entries and uh, ridiculous cut line, <laughs> as we were all kind of expecting last week. Uh, it even creeped up, uh, what was the final, 2173? Yeah, yeah, that's exactly what it was. Uh, I so, just want to point out that all of Tim's predictions were wrong. <laughs> <laughs> He is uh, correct. <laughs> yeah, uh, amazing. 239 entries, probably the biggest cash tournament we've had in 30 years, in around 30 years. Yeah, said, I, it, was, said, it was before my time, that's for sure. Yeah, they said KG was at like 270-something in 89, so I mean, that's, that's, a, that's a big gap, and that was at the height of bowling. So <clears throat> um, quite the feeling to see that many people. Quite the feeling to see that many friends. Um, what, what a turnout. And it's just nice to see something in our sport really growing. Um, it was awesome. Really excited about it. What are we going to do next year? We have 17 uh, spots open. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> let's, let's fill it next year. But 151 Two, individuals. 256, uh, so, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's so, always some change you have to make with it, right? But I mean, there isn't a whole lot. I mean, maybe changing the Friday morning shift early, or you know, and uh, and going on from there. But I mean, there isn't really a whole lot. Yeah, I, I would cut. think if you just want to make it um, not butt up so close together, you would just bump the the early shifts a little bit earlier. I know it sucks for mm -hmm. your staff and for the center itself, but you give yourself a little playing room and uh, not have to worry about your schedule so bad would uh, obviously alleviate some of the stresses, mm -hmm. but. It worked out pretty, yeah, it worked out pretty good for the most part. I, yeah. I think it's kind of a, I think two year thing, if numbers are the same next year, then, then obviously we had to work something out to see if what else we can do with uh, alleviating that, that burden there. But uh, it looks pretty good for so far. I mean, I was pretty cool with the invitational and the ladies invitational. Uh, kids, you know the kids thing. There was I thought the kids thing was really cool. Yeah. Um, we had way more people this year, and like I said, my favorite interaction was how Karen Armstrong was with Aiden, our local bowler. I thought they really, really, she was really good with them, and I thought that was really cool that interaction. And and then doubles was good. It just it was a long weekend, but it was a good weekend. One once a year, that's <laughs> I'm okay with. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank you to everybody that came out. It was amazing. Um, so, so much support and we really really appreciate it it was mm -hmm. fantastic so well i guess i'll ask you guys what was your guys's favorite moment of the weekend boy oh boy uh, <laughs> yeah personally i had, I had a kind of a career qualifying mm -hmm. uh which which is definitely a lot of fun um uh, don't don't believe i've ever been that locked in for four or five games um, so, so that was probably my highlight, um, uh, played, played well Sunday too, but, uh, pretty ridiculous scores out there. Yeah. You, you, I think you got tired a little bit too, right? 
Oh, I was Garrett. exhausted. Yeah. It was 20, 27 straight games or something. Yeah. Just, yeah. yeah, just long, long road, but uh, always worth it. Uh, you... Honestly, watching Lonnie's reaction uh, after he came through with the victory and to, just to see just how much pride and, you know, how much uh, emotion really goes into any victory. Uh, on the flip side, while watching, you know, the, the, the heartache of Brad as well, uh, just, just how it all came down at the end. Uh, it's, it's, what, it's the passion that really makes our sport what it is. Mm-hmm. And uh, that, that moment will, will always be, you know, entrenched into my mind. Mm-hmm. I, I think uh, I've always said that I, I'm a big sports guy. And I, um, even though I don't like maybe a certain sport or follow, like, for example, the NBA all the time, I always watch Game Seven, and I, or if it was a big game, you know, and seeing the reaction of those players and those people when their pinnacle achievement happens, kind of thing. And uh, uh, I have to admit that the Lonnie thing really got to me a little bit. I thought it was really awesome. Um, for you guys, we weren't weren't there after we we shut down the live stream. The one thing he wanted of anything else was to take that trophy and have a family picture with it, right? And I think that's the coolest part of what what happened on the weekend. I thought it was. It wasn't just about him, and like I said, his kid was. This kids just love him to death, and um, I think that's what the sport's about, you know. And uh, I think that that's the cool part about what happened on the weekend. Yeah, I think, uh, especially from Lonnie's perspective, there. He, I know he struggled the last couple of years, and he was. He had some talks that he didn't know how much he was going to play anymore and stuff like that. He still showed up to every event. It seemed like and. For him to come back through, because I do believe last time he won was 2010 Regina. I think 2013. 13, yeah. Yeah. So it's been a few years. Like, obviously not not substantial by any means. But uh, to see him come through, especially um, in the format he did, coming out of the Constellation as a 32nd. He was 32nd qualifier in the end, so it worked out perfect. Um, and for him to run the... He came up the B side, correct? Yeah, because mm-hmm. Adam, you knocked him out of the A side, yeah. So yeah, ran up the B side and uh, took down the title. Pretty cool, uh, pretty exciting. Um, I guess for my highlights, uh, I wasn't very good on the weekend, so I didn't have too many highlights. I spared a split against Dexter and a blowout, so uh, <laughs> that's about it. <laughs> Two qualifying shifts I tried. Um, got close in both game eights and didn't come through in the end, but I... You're gonna hit some of those bumps in the road. I've I've been fortunate enough to make a lot of qualifying for the last five or six years. So, me to miss out on one or two isn't uh, isn't bad for the sport either. So, but but I mean I guess Kerry had to look at it when we were making cuts, and it was like normal you know normal everyday job stuff, right? Uh, we haven't had 125, 140 entries, right? And and now we have 151 different bowlers, and they're not. Out of those bowlers, most of them are highly elite players, right? So yeah. we're we're bound not to make a cut here and there now because it's just you're just level so much higher. I just think it makes it that much sweeter when you do make a cut, right? Because mm-hmm. it, it, it's it's so much harder. Uh, it, not to say that it wasn't hard previously. It's just now it's a numbers game. Yeah, uh, and there's so many great players out there, and they all have opportunities now to four shift if they really wanted, right? Uh, all all it takes is that one big shift. Yeah, like like you're saying, Tim, the entry or the yeah the entries were quite a bit lower, but you still had over a hundred really good players out. But now you have a hundred and forty to hundred and fifty really good players, right? It just 
it pushes that number through the roof, as we've seen. Qualifying number went way up, right? And it's mm-hmm. just the amount of elite players. Like you said, it, one or two tries, and now they get a third try at it, and they improve. They learn from what the lane was giving them, so they make adjustments, and it's just it's going to keep getting higher as long as the numbers keep going up. And it's unfortunate because a lot of people say, oh, I'm, I'm not good enough to make that kind of cut. Well, it, when you play with great players, your game goes up as well. So that's the way I look at it. I, maybe you're a 250 player, but at this tournament, you would have been a 270 player. It's just you surround those people around you and you get better too, right? Mm-hmm. Like we said before, play everything. It yeah. only makes it better. I remember playing TPC when I was 15 years old, knowing full well that, you know what, there's a really good chance that I'm not making this money back. But it's worth it, yeah. you know? Three years later, you start making cuts, and then all of a sudden, it's worth it. It pays off in the end. Yeah. What, um, what was your highlight, Dex? Hammering you. <laughs> you're you're welcome. No, honestly, it's the, it's the only highlight I've got. The rest of the weekend, I was in the same boat. I struggled. I put three ships in. I didn't make the cut. I shot a four hundred eight. Didn't make the cut. You know, for me, it's I, I'm I get into streaks of things, and it's going to be, you know, I'm going to throw a million strikes, and then I'm going to throw a million punches, and it, it just. It seems that when I get into that rhythm of punching, I just I just don't stop. I even had a game there, uh, like last week, where I had like six straight chops. <laughs> me, me getting into a rhythm is ridiculous. So um, I didn't have a whole lot of highlights, uh, but uh, winning winning a couple matches of the invitation was good. Um, I think I don't know. There's just so many eight four hundreds. Adam Weber has three four hundreds in one event. Dwayne throws a perfect game. Dwayne throws a perfect game. Us giving out, I mean, with all the money that we gave out in everything, um, $112,000 was divvied up between people. That is an insane number, guys. That is absolutely crazy. So it's neat. It's just cool to see something growing and – It it really makes you wonder why sponsors don't show up and figure out, like like you said – 150 some players that's not including their families their friends that come out and watch them and plus uh, over a hundred grand worth of prize money divvied out across those players how do not sponsors see that and it blows up and like that's a ridiculous amount for an athletic sport that has no sponsorship really in the end it's something that we need to start keeping better track of yeah because once we do and people start seeing it you know yeah it's uh missed opportunities i think um for these sponsors to get in early get it in cheap and uh grow with the sport too right i think uh hopefully some sponsors will open up their eyes with all this extra media stuff going on and they'll get in early instead of too late right Absolutely. I, I think overall it's still on you know the the bowling community to push the word out to those sponsors also uh, we're, we're not quite big enough yet that we're just gonna be on their radar um, once we find maybe that one key sponsor uh, then all of a sudden maybe there might be you know a couple other you know tour sponsors that are you know right around around the corner 
Um, yes. But uh, I think it's the bowling community. If, if there's any opportunities, you know, you bring them forward. Um, just seeing how this sport's already growing uh, in, in the past couple of years, especially in Western Canada uh, with the WCBT, um, really there, there's no end in sight. And uh, that's got to be attractive to, to the sponsors. Yeah, you would think for sure. We'll see in the next couple of years, I guess. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. Um, I guess I'll bring up a topic. Um, so Five Pin Universe over the years has um, devised a depreciation power ranking scale or whatever based on the Western Canadian Bowling Tour. And so they've come up with a number, and you can see it on fivepinuniverse.ca, see the rankings. Um, what do you guys think of trying to get um, like a Canada-wide scale going um i guess my thoughts on it it would be pretty tough to compare these four tournaments to anything else that's really in canada maybe besides the club tour events and um the timmins invitational other than those three events i don't know of any other big events that have over 100 120 entries and has the uh, I guess the scale of reach, the scale of talent to be at these oh. tournaments, right? Um, so how do you rank them compared to each other if you don't have the same same levels, I guess? I That's the only problem I have with trying to find that, right? And then you got the Masters, you got the Open, but not everybody plays the Open, not everybody plays the Masters. Um, it's It's tough to compare all these events oh. and devise a rank, right? I think it's tough. I think you have to think about uh, just uh, if you have some sort of weighting system with it, right, you're going to have somebody get hurt over one situation over another, right? I mean, uh, I guess, you know, if you think about Masters, Masters is not included into the uh, the Maritimes right now other than Newfoundland. So, that I mean, that hurts the Maritime bowlers a little bit, right? You know, and, and then not everybody – you know, can afford to play the open either, right? It is on your own expense. So it it, it does make sense. Um, but there has to be some sort of ranking I would love to have. I don't know how they did it back in the day, but I think that was just based off of a C5 open probably, right? Right. Yeah, it's, it's hard. I mean, unfortunately, if you're if you're going to do a ranking, you've got to include the, the open and masters and stuff like that for sure. Um, and unfortunately, that means if you don't play it, you don't get ranked in it. Um, but I think that's not necessarily a bad thing either because maybe maybe it'll motivate people to play it more. I mean, there's there's a lot of people who play one or the other. I know Northern Ontario guys. Northern Ontario guys, hardly any of them play the uh, play Masters. The, and I ask them why, and their their response is all the same. Uh, you know, we just want to play the Open. But you know what? Maybe if it means they're going to be nationally ranked, maybe they'll play more. Yeah, I guess uh, um, another problem you have with the Open is you get some people that live in remote areas and they are on teams that just can't fill, right? Like, And you're competing against big cities, right? Um, BC's prime example, right? And so is Alberta, for that matter. You have North competitors, which there is quite a few good ones. But they don't nearly have the depth as a Edmonton or a Central or a Calgary. So even South, how, how can you make that a true ranking when those players up there are 
clearly just as good as some of the players in the other zones, but because they get lucky and get to play in a big city, they get onto a team that has mm-hmm. a really good chance of making nationals, right? Prime, prime example is Bonnie McDonald, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah she, she's, she's good enough she's that she singles. takes down some singles, yeah. right? But um, the years that she runs into somebody that's playing really good, like a Jen oh. Baker or somebody like that, then does she really have a shot at making ladies' team? It's so I, tough. Yeah, no, it's tough. You know, I, I but you know, I guess in our in our hearts we know what are the best best players in Canada. Are. Right, but is you, that, you, that's we, not we, a rank, though. Right, that's no. that's an opinion. If if we if we said our top five, we sat around right now. I bet our top five would be a little bit different. Mm-hmm. But we probably would have you know four or five, probably the same. All right, and you know, you think not to build his ego, but you know, Adam would be up there. Um, and then you would know that probably Mitch would be in there, right? And then then it comes down to certain other people. You might think you know Schultz yeah. is always up there, right? But then you you know and but he hasn't played the autumn open in a couple of years. But not saying that his skills depreciated, right? And then you know you say Kerry Kerry's won a bunch of things. Brad you know Brad take that Tyler you know. Um, but that's also we also see only in the West a lot more see than that, East, and so. that's a, a biased opinion because that's mostly in your area. And now we got to look outside that area, right? It's a uh, it's tough to find a a gauge or a ruler to measure them by, right? Mm-hmm. I kind of think that individual accolades would have to be involved, even on team event, uh, j- just for those reasons. So I mean, like you know, uh, maybe it's I don't know, like kind of a a bell system, you know, a bell curve yeah. sort of system. So, you know, you have like a provincials, if, if you have, uh, you know, you, you take your team scores and, you know, you have your median and then the higher you go, the more, the more points you get, the, the lower you go, the less points you get, but have it on a bell curve system, you could do it nationally too. Maybe, maybe that's one way of getting some like a point system going for, even if your team isn't so good, even if you go out and you win, you have, you get points for average. You get points for you know matches one maybe, right. um, and then combine them or whatever. But maybe the whole system is not a bad idea. We should almost do an Alberta one. I think that would make sense for us out here as as a test, because we play everything out here. Yeah. You no, know, ninety percent of us play everything out here, right? And then I think that would be a good test for us on our end. I mean, but it still doesn't help the the, the national side, right? So I don't. For all those people out there listening, I'm, I mean, I'm sure you guys all have ideas and opinions, right? Maybe that's something you guys can you can bring forward to us and tweet us or, or Facebook us or email us. Oh, and I know there's a few you know big stats guys out there, the Adam Martins and the the Blair Tucks of the world, who I'm sure they've they've ran scenarios uh, previously. And I'm sure there's a bunch all across Canada uh, who who may. St- want the same type of a system in place i I don't think it's a foolproof system whatever is is created uh but i definitely think that there could be a a very generic uh national ranking that's out there um like you guys say with the uh all the events out west uh i think you know the the five pin universe uh rankings is is probably very close in this region um, just based on, uh, other than, of course, the, you know, the Masters and, and the Open that are um, probably key contributors to, into any type of a, a national ranking system. Um, and I, I love the idea where that, that depreciation over the last four or five years, too. I, I think that uh, really solidifies, you know, the current 
uh, scenario of uh, or this current state of our, our sport. Yeah. Yeah, no, that, and that's what we thought. That's the only way you can be fairly accurate is having a depreciation because winning a tournament five years ago shouldn't near, shouldn't hold as much weight as winning like the last weekend. Right. Like that's, mm-hmm. that's clearly not it, Yeah. Maybe you were outstanding back then, but you should be playing just as good now. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, you spoke of Adam Martin and Adam Martin, I know back in the day, um, cause he was one that originally came up with like the ranking system and the point system. Um, he did have, I do believe masters on it. So he may have a pretty good idea how he did that and stuff like that. So he would be probably a prime example to try and figure out how he came about those points. And maybe it was on a bell curve system because that makes a lot of sense too, right? It should be um, against the people in your own province or even in your own zone to start with your own province and bell curved all the way up. Because like you said, a lot of those people in the zone may not make nationals, but that doesn't make their they're any worse than the ones that have made it to nationals, right? It's uh, it's just it's tough with locations and stuff like that, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but but on the flip side, you also can't take that away from those that do get to nationals and succeed there either. Oh no, for sure. But yeah. when you have more opportunities to be at nationals, should you be weighted better than somebody that just doesn't live in the right location? Well, I true think that. But- that and you know how much do you want to commit to the sport exactly i mean yeah. family vacations come up right you know and job and work commitments yeah. you only might only have a choice of one yeah 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 exactly but i, I think if we do if we do a bell curve system i mean you're right i mean the people at provincial should have the opportunity to make make some points and be weighted in that absolutely but at least if they if we if we give points for both provincially and nationally and just maybe weight them Based on the bell curve, I mean, you could you could do that too. So if you make nationals, you just get make more points, but you all get points regardless. Yeah. If you play provincially, I guess. Yeah. But 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 what happens with you know provinces like Quebec, for example, and you know not to take anything away take from the players, but but t- typically there's you know ten masters that, uh, of the men that play, so uh, or yeah. e- even less on the ladies' side. So now they're they're guaranteed points for whatever weighting system, right? So well, it'd be based on a bell curve, right? Like their 10th spot wouldn't be worth nearly as much as Alberta's 10th spot, right? It's just you're the lower of the 10 spot. Uh, those Your ratios are a lot smaller, right? So the bell curve system would work on that situation. Um. But yeah, and I totally understand what you mean because I do believe they're open as a all-star team, is it not? Oh, it is all-star, yep. Right, so um, yeah, ranking that might be a little tough, but like you said, we we need more input on that. It, we us four probably aren't going to come up with the rankings for that. <laughs> Sorry to say, <laughs> not not that Tim, bright. Tim, not Tim, anyways. <laughs> I have a hard time counting my fingers, <laughs> yeah. or or picking a day to fly home from Regina. So, yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right, I'm in charge of booking flights. Yes, agreed. Next topic. Next topic. <laughs> oh, well, let, let's talk about uh, consolation. All right, it's yeah. it's, uh, it's out here, you know, and. I, I I know we got some sour grapes with two individuals on this on this podcast. 
I'll, I'll, <laughs> but Constellation on the on the WCBT, right? Or even Constellation in general, right? That, does it help out the field, right? Are we thinking about it, there's already a lot of people there, right? Do we just do the top 32, right? Or top 40? Or do you or do you have the Constellation where they can get into the 32nd spot, right? I mean, how many... How many bowler out? How many bowlers out there just want to make a constellation, right? Yeah. And are, are we lim- are we going to lose entries because if we just do the top thirty-two? Right. So right? I guess I have a unique view on this. Um, yes, there's a hundred and thirty to a hundred and fifty quality players that are playing these events, but I do believe you have to show your local support something, and you run these satellite tournaments and all this stuff and yeah a lot of them are trying to make the cut and all that all that great stuff but giving that constellation spot the next 32 players an extra chance at it i think it just it gives the locals or the players that are traveling from far away they two two three three shift it just something else another try i think it really bolsters numbers um it may not be a ridiculous number but it might change your 200 entries to 239 entries. And that's a lot of prize money. And I'm not saying that's exactly what it is, but if you get rid of the Constellation event, something that has proven has worked, the only thing is that sucks is schedule-wise. But if you get rid of it and you drop 30 entries, wouldn't you feel like a little bit foolish about it? That's my side of it. I think the events are growing why make the change if the events were getting smaller then i would look at a change maybe not constellation but something else but as long as the events are growing i i i'd hate to see a major change to an event just to give that 32nd player their spot be 31st then yeah here's here's my thing i agree with you on that Terry wholeheartedly schedule sucks uh but at the end of the day you're given the option right uh, we had a gentleman out from, um, I think it was from Northern Ontario, North Bay, or so- somewhere out there, Lee Rittenauer, right? And Lee was just, he told Mike, from what I was talking to Mike, I just want to make Constellation, right? I'm coming out with all these great players, I just want to make Constellation. Now, um, I, yeah, I, we've batted the idea around so many times about it, but uh, it, it does add something to it. It gives back a little ways that way. Um, it, it's just tough. It's just it's just another event, but that I mean, I I guess on our on our end for the TPC, I just wish we had more time for a better event. Because yeah. really, I mean, both of you guys can attach. You guys both made forty and twenty bucks back, <laughs> second place, right? And, and and you know, I I guess maybe we could look at on our end is maybe bumping it up because I know that uh, Regina they actually go down to th- uh, 30, 48 bowlers. They do forty-eight instead of thirty-two, so that there will be a little bit more prize money in that aspect. Right. Um, but there's also sixteen other bowlers that might have a chance. If no, that's another topic that we can discuss later on that. But um, I remember when Collingwood dropped the constellation. Remember way back when, and that really cheesed a lot of people. Oh, yeah. Maybe, maybe it was because what they said and the reason behind it. Um, maybe a little bit when he said we're not making any money on Saturday and, and you know, we got to make some money on it. And I, I do understand that a bit, but when they only had three lanes running, that was a different story. Yeah. 
I just um my my thought is everybody knows that it's top thirty one, thirty second spots constellation. If you don't want to be in the constellation, be thirty first. With that being said, um I've been the thirty second player. I've been there. It sucks. But I don't think it's that big a deal. I should have played better and been thirty first. I just hate to take that away from somebody. I I just think your your next thirty two players, if they're there they know that's an option. They, some of those people grinded out their last game to make consolation. I know quite a few actually figured they needed something to make consolation and give themselves a second chance. Um, yeah, I, when you're making cuts all the time, it makes sense to get rid of the thirty-second spot because you're making cuts. But when you're the person that's in that that forty to sixty range all the time. That consolation event's kind of nice to get back in, right? So, uh, there's, I mean, from a proprietor standpoint, I mean, it, it's a it's a long weekend already, but having the consolation just means more people there for longer. I mean, Saturday night we we didn't get out till two a.m. and that was with time change. So, okay. but I mean, that's with that being said, I mean that's that's more people staying in your building longer makes you more money. Um, as for like getting rid of consolation, I see both sides. Um, I think it kind of falls in the same category as, I mean, Calgary. I mean, Calgary does Calgary runs a consolation, but it doesn't get them a spot. Adam, the, I think Adam changed that when he was down there, right? But yeah, it was one one of the the changes I recommended when when we uh, brought her over to Paradise from from Toppler. And I, I, I definitely, you know, agree with 100% with all of the other points that you, that you boys have brought up. Um, my biggest complaint about it is, you know, Calgary is a prime example because they do offer the extra, you know, eight qualifying spots. Mm-hmm. Now, all of a sudden, you know, you could have a guy that, uh, or, 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 you know, the averages, you know, 30, 40, well, 30 pins less potentially uh, finishing the 77th spot uh, still has a chance to, to, to go for, for the glory. Um, and, and it's just, it, it's not something that you see in any other sport it, to, to have yet another shot. Uh, you know, we, we have either, you know, three or four different qualifying shifts to make that, you know, that, that cut line. And uh, like I said, I, I don't disagree with all the other points, but uh, it, it you know, your finals are 32 spots, then it should be 32 spots. It's actually yeah. kind of funny you say that, that you don't see it in any other sports, but they, yet they do it in tennis and they do it in 10-pin bowling. They do TQRs, they're called. So they're where your local players, they're like satellites the day before, right? So you have your top qualifiers out of those rounds get spots into the match plays. So a lot of those tournaments are set up as match play, right? Um, and those guys get in right and they're not ranked they're not nationally ranked they're not they didn't earn their way in they've just played an early tournament right before the tournament in order to get those spots so it is in other events maybe not to the magnitude for a spot in the final but they're definitely there they're we just don't see them because they're not televised 
right? But it, it, but it, is it an open entry event? Yes. Or is it still okay? One hundred percent. So 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 it's essentially just a satellite to get into that open entry event. Yeah, they're usually the top sixty four spots play the match play event, right? But they leave the bottom eight spots for a TQR event, which has like a hundred players in it. The top eight guys out of the TQR get in. They're not nationally ranked or anything like that. They just play a small tournament right before to get in. So it's just not televised and not told any about it because that the 64th player plays number one seed and number one seed usually smokes them and then go to the next round, right? Is usually what the situation is. But they just don't talk about it, but it definitely happens. The only other point that I was going to say about like comparing it to Calgary, it, it, we, we discussed dropping it down to 32 players all the time. Um, because as we all know, it, it, this business is no different than any other. It's all about supply and demand, right? Yeah. So you limit you, if you limit the supply, the demand gets greater. And I feel like the constellation is almost in the same boat. You know, you, if you, if you drop the constellation and make it the top 32, you may lose some entries for sure. Um, because you know a few of them are trying to make the constellation, but you might gain a ton of re-entries too. Yeah. Because all of a sudden you don't have that second chance. Mm -hmm. You may see people play three, four shifts to make it in because they know they don't have that other, that other chance, right? Yeah, that's for sure. So, that's a possibility. So it it may it may change. It, it may it may balance out. It may get more. It may get less. It's really hard to say unless it actually happens. Yeah, and I kind of. Um, I guess just another side of it. I kind of like the storyline, right? Like Brad Moens did it. Now Lonnie Akers has done it. So it's um, like Rudy, Rudy, Rudy. It's, it's something on your shoulder, right? Like, yeah, I didn't make the cut, but I still can compete, right? Um, in a match play event, it's a little bit easier, right? Because you only have to beat one person. In the autumn open, it makes a little more sense because that person just gets in. They're not playing that great. For them to compete against the 40 players that did make the cut would be, it'd be a little bit tougher than just a match play event. But um, yeah, yeah, I don't know. I, like I said, all we can do is provide what we think and mm -hmm. try and make a, an educated decision from there, right? All I know for us is if it ain't broke, don't fix it, right? I mean, so... <laughs> yeah we got the entries already don't touch the don't touch the mojo i think right so yeah i know there's a lot of people definitely with adam's train of thought because i know um i talked sure. to gino on monday about it and he was one steadfast not against lonnie but he was steadfast that he believes that the 32nd spot should be the player that was in 32nd spot which would have been lonnie anyways but <laughs> he's he's definitely an advocate for that side of it um and he's been around the game a long long time and i know he's been 32nd and missed the cut so um i i see i like i said i see it both sides as well i just i i see a lot more downside than upside to it is fair. my thought of it i guess fair really only one way to find out right is if it happens right yeah well look at Cal what's calgary's numbers yeah i i believe that's due to the extra eight spots but yeah. that's my thought i i totally agree yeah I, I, you just see their re-entry numbers just so much lower because it, there's eight extra spots right um and that's actually we could talk about that too um a lot of the the old school players think um, you shouldn't change the autumn open because it's been around forever and 
they don't want to see it change. But to me, what the autumn open is, is the final 16, not the 40. I think 32 makes sense. Cut it down in half to 16 and play what the autumn open really is. It's the 16. That That's what makes the autumn open great. Um, see, in my opinion, though, that, that 40, those extra eight spots, those are the spots for the locals. Right. right? I, I prefer that to be available to you know some of the local players to, to make that top 40 and make a cut than to try to go through consolation and mm-hmm. uh, get, get that one spot. So with that being said, would you, I know they, I don't know if it was the Autumn Open or if it was uh, Calgary Masters, I do believe it was called back in the day. They had um, the scores roll over. So your qualifying score would roll into the 40s you'd play the eight and that would roll into the 16s as well. So number 16 spot, the number 40 spot, 40 would be like a few hundred sticks behind, but could make it up in the next eight games of qualifying, right? To make the top 16 spots. Would that be something that would be more interesting for people to play? Or would that hurt numbers as well? Because like, oh, even if I'm 40th, I'm still 300 back. It'd be no different than day two of the open qualifying right yeah that, that'd be interesting because if you can enter and then if you take your highest then you might see more people re-enter to get a higher qualifying um so that it, it you have a better opportunity the next round as well mm. that's a, that's an interesting thought i see that i don't know and maybe adam you know was it calgary masters what what tournament was it where they rolled the scores over well, honestly, I'm not sure. Oh, okay. I, I haven't uh, haven't seen that. The the only time I, I've seen it was uh, like CBC qualifying, right. where they would uh, after the ten game qualifier they cut it down and then they'd run another five, but include the original scores. Uh, my my take on that though is uh, you're going to lose all the local support bowlers. Yeah. All right. The 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 two thirties two forty average bowlers because they let let's face it over twenty thirty games. Um, very unrealistic for for them to keep up with the 250s, 260s in the grand scheme of it. Yeah. Um, so I, I think your numbers would be you know much lower. Now at the same time, you, you could almost make it a, a, a more of an elite event at the same time, a little bit more prestigious event uh, with, with that type of a format and kind of you know see how that plays out in, in the community. Yeah. Yeah. No. I. Uh... Like that's what this discussion's about. Um, I I kind of agree with you. I think it would hurt the numbers for sure if we moved it to a rollover score. Um, but I think it would bolster numbers if you made the cut a little bit tighter. But uh, I it, I agree too. It's I uh, mean, de- de- definitely re-entries. Absolutely. Yeah. I I mean so we we've done the math on this a few times and for the autumn open the autumn open gets about a thirty three percent re-entry rate. So that's right. all that number is, is like, okay, so they have 100 bowlers. Well, uh, you know, they get 150 entries, 33% re-entered. Uh, with the TPC, we had 150 bowlers and we had 90 re-entries. So that means more than half, more than half re-entered, close to like 60% re-entered. Or a um, certain few played three or four, or, right? Or, Right. right, exactly. Yeah. But with that being said, like that is that is a, a drastic change in numbers, um, and, and I'm I'm sure that that is largely to do to uh, 
to the number of number of uh, sh- uh, spots handing out for sure. Yeah, yeah. I, think, I think another big factor is uh, the qualifying payout in Calgary, though, too. Right, it, you know, all, all the yeah. yeah, the tournaments are between four fifty, five hundred dollar, you know, qualifying. It, it you can justify three shifts. Yeah, yeah. Right, it, 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 it's it's tough to justify a third shift. Yeah, uh, at the autumn, that, it's right, tough to that, spread where... over forty cut. Right, that right. especially exactly. when you got smaller numbers, it's uh, all of a sudden your your numbers are your money spread pretty thin to make it reasonable for the the player that wins it to win a substantial amount of money. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's a it's a balancing game, and I think the Autumn Open has done very well at balancing it because I do believe they got more than two hundred dollars this year for the cut, right? So mm-hmm. um, they're doing they're well. They're one of the better sponsors we get out there. Yeah, they do well like, as like you said, if if there was a sponsor to offset that, we wouldn't be talking about this, right? Um, uh-huh. All of a sudden, you could balance out cut money, and then all then your the rest of your plays would be making good money. It's a it's a tough, tough situation. Um, I think I think the all four tournaments that are doing it are doing a really good job at it, and the numbers are growing. So all we can do is pick and choose. What, I guess what we talk about, we can't really complain at what they're doing because it's it's growing. So yeah, yeah. Uh, the absolutely. the only thing about the autumn that uh, that I've heard kind of over and over is uh, uh, the the payouts are. are you know, might be a little top heavy or, or a little too top heavy. Um, and it, it, you know, if they, those were scaled back, uh, say, you know, the top, you know, five positions, uh, right there, you might be able to, to increase cut money, you know, $50 a head or, or something along those lines. Uh, but the, the sponsorships are, are, are definitely there. They, they put a lot of effort in getting all, all those sponsors and, um, yeah, no, I'm definitely appreciative of, of all the tour stops for, for all the hard work they do. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And like you said, that Autumn Open's going to figure it out. And obviously with the WCBT's help, they, they discuss things, they bounce it off each other. And and hopefully maybe there won't have to be a change and we'll just see the numbers start growing. And um, But I know they're, they're open to talk and try and figure things out um as long as things don't stagnate right that's the mm-hmm. thing you're trying to avoid sure. <laughs> um hey right, next topic anybody got anything huh uh what about the possibility of a uh like a super high stakes event at some point in in our careers um you know central canadian location you know sponsors you know Two thousand, five thousand dollar entry, type thing. Make make it a you know a big big you know buy-in event. Yeah, uh, uh, ten pin used to do it back in the day. I forget what it was called. I think it was it was called like the high roller or something like that. They would have fifty thousand dollars put in by each player. Obviously, a lot more than ever five pin will ever put in, but um, something pretty cool. And it was strictly a match play event, I do believe. So it'd be one on one. Um, kind of, I guess, how the WCBT does their tour championship, that kind of idea. Um, I guess for me, playing all the imitate or the TPC Imitational Mitsubishi Shootout, um, their thousand dollar events. I think that's pretty steep for me. So, for your event to be bigger than that, I would definitely need some backers. Um, I know there's lots of people out there that would do something like that. Um, I think I'm sure Mitch Davies would love to play something like that. Maybe Mike Herbert, 
I know he's all about it. Um, obviously, Adam, you probably should play in something like that. The odds are in your favor. Um, but yeah, it, it's very interesting. <laughs> very interesting. I, I don't know how, how that would work. I That's something you'd have to start asking around and plan a year, if not two years in advance, see what you can get for sponsorships too. Because uh, mm-hmm. you put money like that together, there would probably be some corporate sponsors looking in to get their name on that, right? And it would definitely have to be televised. Yeah, 100%. Now, would you guys be looking at ju- just a singles event? Or would you be looking at maybe maybe a doubles event or something like that? I, why, why not both? Right? If you're going to yeah. bring all these, these players in from, from all over the country and... Uh, yeah, it may make it into a even, even a trios, you know, mm-hmm. type, type thing. I don't, not sure you, you'd want to go much more than that for 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 big dollars. Uh, but yeah, doubles event, absolutely. Singles, obviously, that that's the kind of the the high profile. Um, but uh, they, they're all I think big, a, big events. I think a high rollers. To... Sorry, I think a high rollers doubles event would be really cool. Just because, I mean. If you're if you're looking for like the televised sort of time period, you'd be looking at almost an hour for an entire match, um, so that kind of fits nicely. Two, I mean the single singles you can see a lot of intensity in it, but you add in you add in another player, and then you see a whole different dynamic of intensity, right? Um, I think uh, I think that'd be really interesting to see. I think that'd be I think that'd be fun. The the ten pin tour they run their own kind of high. Don't they run something with, uh, I know it's celebrities, right? But they draft their own teams for big stakes, don't they? Mm-hmm. Don't, they don't they have one? Like T.O. has one, Kevin Hart has yeah. a team, and they draft players, and they actually have their own kind of professional league that way. Yeah, they, they, they have a, like a PBA league that, that gets sponsored um, by like Terrell Owens. Uh, I think Kevin Hart had a team. Um, yeah. Billy King, Billie Jean King Hart- had a team. Stuff like Har- that. Hardwick. Yeah, Chris Hardwick had a team. Um, and they were drafted so they could protect. Because um, the league's been going on for a while. They would have like three players they could protect. And then they would draft two new players um, mm-hmm. each year. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know about High Roller. I think it's just a corporate thing. I don't think they really played for much money. If they did, it's uh, definitely not talked about. Um. But yeah, like, and that's something yeah, that uh, the WCBT kind of kicked around for a while for the final tour championship thing was maybe doing like a draft instead of doing the, they do the pins game challenge right now for $500 entry. Um, so they kicked around that idea or they kicked around like a Ryder Cup style um, because we know, as we know, the WCBT is mostly Alberta players. Uh, I wish, guess I shouldn't say mostly. Over 50% is Alberta players. Would you do like an Alberta versus Canada Ryder Cup event out of the WCBT members? The, you have the top 20 players and you have a couple of captains picks or something and then you do a day full of events, doubles events, singles events, triples, stuff like that. Where they... I, that would be cool. That would be, be cool. so much fun to play in. Yeah. I think it. I think it would be pretty neat. Um, and then there's something to play for, um, for all those WCBT members that don't happen to make the top twelve, but are willing to come down, watch, and maybe play in a Ryder Cup style event. I think 
maybe that's something to look at, look into, or I think be a blast. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think we're we're always inspired about you know other sports out there, you know, doing special events like that, and uh, you know the the Tiger versus Phil you know, high stakes event that's coming up, you know, later this month, right? Yeah. You start getting inspired. Well, what about like challenge matches, right? Uh, you know, you know, some, something like a thousand dollar challenge match against, uh, you know, Mitch or some, or, or Mikey or, um, you know, it, there, there's so many good players out there that might be interested in something like that. You know, tell us, you know, tape it for, you know, some sort of web episodes or, or something. And, um, I, I think that would be just a lot of fun. I I know at one point uh, we were talking about you know maybe getting that uh, um, on to like the Five Pin Universe site as well. Uh, way back in the day, they'll challenge matches uh, just locally. Yeah. Um, and and uh, or, or move up a, like a, a ranking system. I, I know Tim, you uh, at one point were talking about. Uh, um, like a, like a starter ranking and then, you know, have challenge matches to move yeah. up and, and down, right? Like, that would be really cool. All, all that, that, you know, all those events just, just spurs on the sport. And uh, whether they work or not, somebody just has to try them. Yeah, I think they do that in, uh, actually, Abbotsford, don't they? Um, Adrian Kiss was champion there for a few weeks in a row and stuff like that. I think they do... I don't know if it's a belt or something like that. And then I think yeah. Brett Hendrickson, Hendrickson in uh, yeah. Winnipeg was doing that too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Who was it? The one in Abbotsford is all within one league. The okay. one that uh, that Brett does is amongst all the leagues in that and that actually I think all the all the leagues in the city, you can just challenge whoever. But I'm pretty sure the one in Abbotsford you have to be in that league. I think. Okay. But yeah, well, I like it. Yeah, same same kind of idea, right? They have a challenge for the week or whatever, and whoever wins gets to hold the title. You could do something similar. It wouldn't be a title. Maybe it'd be a cash prize or something. They each put up a little bit of money or something like that. Um, and then when when would you do something like that? Would you do it at each event? You'd have you would film it on the Thursday before trios at Regina or the Thursday after trios at Regina or something like that. I don't know. I think that, mm-hmm. I think that's actually a pretty good idea. 3am, 4am, some other time during, yeah. right. Yeah. There, there, there's always during people sock bowl bowling. Uh, our, yeah. <laughs> our TPC is now turning into a bowl spiel. Uh, <laughs> um, while we're on the topic of like different tournaments and stuff and like, um, national rankings and, and all the money that flows through it and sponsorship and all this stuff. Something that I had, you know, inspired and was inspired and, and interested in seeing if we could ever do was to get um, bowling onto Bet365, um, which I think would be super cool. But I think a national ranking is vital to that so they can set odds. But I think if we could ever find a way of getting our sport onto Bet365, um, that, I think, will be when you've got viewers um, and you'll see a ton of sponsorship come from it because all of a sudden people can be invested all over the entire country, really, really invested in what happens in it. Um, I think that would be really cool to see. But Mitch Davies can't bet on everybody. 
<laughs> yeah. yeah. It's yeah, tough exactly. to hedge your bets. <laughs> yeah. No, I, don't, I just think it'd be really interesting. I think it's cool. I know you've kicked around the idea before about that. Um, yeah. Obviously, it would take somebody some time to figure out what they're going to do with that, right? Because it's, uh, I'm pretty sure it's got to be regulated and there's got to be a lot lot going on with that. Um, it would take some some time to figure out how to how to even approach something like that, right? I definitely think it's a good, hey, any any outside influence on the sport is always going to be a good influence. It just depends how you're going to accept it, right? Speaking of national events, how can we not get, you know, the final step ladders of uh, all the men's and ladies and mixed and singles events? How do we not have a good quality video, whether it's live or not, uh, of those events? They're they're so passionate. There's so much excitement in those things. That's exactly what our sport needs to be really, you know, processing and and getting that out to the sponsors. Um, You're absolutely right, though. Those need to be filmed. Those need to be, like, put into, like, a montage of, like, of bowling. Like, that's, especially the team events, that is where there is an endless amount of excitement. Or, I mean, the singles, too. I mean, look at at Jeff Bourne winning Masters Nationals. Him running around, like, hands in the air. It was was amazing. (laughs) But seriously, it was so, so cool to see. Yeah, that's something they should be at least recording, right? Even if you can't live stream it. Maybe you don't have the means to live stream it record it at least record it set up some good cameras like further down the lanes point them at them you don't have to have people there but have you know cameras pointed towards the bowlers behind the bowlers i mean it it, you know set set up three ipads and and splice them together call it a day and that and that's the thing like everybody has an ipad like how many ipads did we have at tpc we had seven or eight right and that's just that's just a small group of people adding their iPads in. If a national group needs iPads, all you have to do is ask. Yeah. You don't need a super complicated camera. All these, all these new iPads, new iPhones, they all, they all can record in 4K. That's more than is necessary, right? Absolutely. Yeah, and you, you can edit it all after the fact because there's there's always a, a bunch of tech gurus in every city, uh, or I'm sure there's probably you know one on the national boards, uh, and then you know uh, upload it a week or two later, right, yeah. for for everybody to see, uh, high quality. Plus, that's one thing we we're missing. We don't have enough videos on YouTube of our sport. Right. Oh, there's so many old videos. And I know so many people have them on the old VHS. And um, I would love for people to, you know, get those on, uh, you know, on a, even a DVD or something so it can get uploaded to, to YouTube uh, just for everybody to, to, you know, have that experience of some of the old matches. Um, every time uh, on Facebook, I, I see one, you know, 15, 20 minute post uh, get shared uh, quite often. And uh, I, I, I feel almost my mind forced into watching the entire thing because it, it, it's the one thing that brings excitement and, and joy uh, to, to be able to watch some of those old matches again. Yeah. No, I don't know how many times I. Uh... I scour YouTube to find videos of old TSNs or old CBCs, 
and I'm always pulled to like the one where Mark Johnstone is bowling um, Aaron Ablas and um, Chad, Steve Peter, Chad right? Oh. Yeah, and the Vanderbilt the year before, right? Yeah, so like those are the last really good videos. I do believe that was almost the last year that TSNs was held. And then from well, after, after that, that it's us. <laughs> yeah. Right? Do, do, do we have access to, to any of, of their archives? Has anybody gone, gone that route? From what I've understood, I don't, I don't know, but I think Sean Smith may have contacted TSN for their archive video. But... I, I think Sean. I think Sean asked Tom Patterson. Okay. Or 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 somebody. Maybe he might have asked somebody from TSN. He might have a contact there. Right. You could be. You could be right. Yeah. I know. I I, I tried to get a, an archive from uh, the CBC Sports Day uh, that happened in Calgary about what from 2011, 12, whatever that was, and uh, after four or five attempts, zero response. So. Yeah. Uh, you definitely need to know somebody there, I think. Yeah, because yours is actually on YouTube, that Canada Sports Day. Is it up there? Yes, it is. Oh, I seen okay. it the other day. Excellent. Yeah. I, I believe I believe Annette Bruno had a copy. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I'm not sure if it was uploaded lately, because I do remember looking for it before I couldn't find it, but I do remember seeing it the other day. So it is up there. So. Yeah. You can watch yourself... Uh, Throw those stupid blue star lines again. <laughs> the chew balls, yeah. The <laughs> they're, they're cracked. Joe Wood keeps asking me for for money, and I just keep telling him they're defective. So. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right, guys. Thanks for coming out this one. Um, follow these guys. I do believe they all have a Twitter account. I don't know off the top of my head. You just have to search it. All right, you guys. Have a great night. Yeah.